Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Saturday morning to you. This is Marie Hewitt on the Pet Place Radio Show, AM 540 and 1260. I hope everybody's doing great this morning. We have some really wonderful guests on the show. We'll be speaking with David Carlberg, the president of the Amigos de Bolsa Chica, which is an organization that helps the wildlife at the Bolsa Chica Animal Preserve in Huntington Beach. And we'll also be speaking to a representative from Veterinary Pet Insurance. Everything you ever wanted to know about how to keep your pets healthy and safe and having insurance, uh, that'll be the topic we'll be discussing. And before we get started, um, I just wanted to let you know that I've been getting a lot of calls and letters and emails from people regarding the recent Ellen DeGeneres uh, situation with a rescue organization called Mets and Moms. Now, for those of you who um, haven't heard about this, recent fiasco. What happened was Ellen adopted a little dog from this rescue organization and took it home. She spent a few thousand dollars on him to get him neutered and to get him trained so that he could live safely with her kitty cats. Unfortunately, he never got the hang of how to live peacefully with the cats. And Ellen realized that the only way they were going to be able to work this situation out would be to place the dog, which she called Iggy, into a new home. Now her hairdresser, wanted a dog, and her hairdresser had a couple of uh, lovely young daughters, um, about elementary to middle school age, uh, very responsible, very grown up, and quite ready to have a pet. And Ellen knew that it would be the perfect home for Iggy. Well, little did she know she was going to get into big trouble for doing this. The rescue organization um, was furious that she had given the dog away because they felt that she was contractually obligated to give the dog back to them if the adoption didn't work out. And the rescue organization actually went to the new home and with uh, police in tow and removed the dog from this new family, which had already bonded with the dog, and uh, took it away. And Ellen tried desperately to try to get the dog back into the home, but the rescue group said, we never place any of our dogs with children, and it was an unacceptable home, and... Uh, you broke your contract, and, and all these things that really made for a very messy situation. The bottom line here is uh, the rescue group got a really bad rap, and rescue organizations in general got a really bad rap from this. Um, I do feel that it's important for rescue organizations to have a policy that says if you can't keep a pet, to please give it back to the organization, and, and that's for good reason. A lot of people, when they get a pet, they'll just uh, give it away at the first sign of, any bad behavior, and, and they don't do any kind of screening to make sure that the home it goes to is a good home. But that wasn't the case in this situation. Iggy had gone to a very good home. And so this is a situation where a good idea went way too far. 
um, the rescue organization could have had some wonderful PR with Ellen as a spokesperson, saying what a great place it was. Instead, everything went completely downhill and and I'm afraid um, really resulted in some bad, bad PR for rescue groups in general. I just wanted to let people know that rescue organizations on the whole are usually very good organizations. Um, please don't feel discouraged about what happened. Um, if you find a rescue organization that you like, make sure people know about it. And if you find one that has some questionable policies, you know, let people know about that too. Um, the great thing is uh, organizations that do good things survive for years and years, just like German Shepherd Rescue, um, which we spoke to last week, and so many other of the wonderful rescue organizations. So hang in there, uh, don't give up, and we're going to be right back here on the Pet Place Radio Show here on 540 and 1260. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and with me this morning is David Carlberg, the president of Amigos de Bolsa Chica. Hey, David, how are you doing? Fine, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I am so happy you came down today to talk about your organization. Thank you. Now, I know all about you guys, but I know our <laughs> listeners don't. So can you tell me a little bit about what the Amigos uh, do and what they are? Well, let me give you a little his history first. Uh, we started in 1976. We were a group, a small group of hunting beach for citizens we were concerned about the Bolsa Chica wetlands, which was about uh, 2,000 acres on the coast of Orange County. And um, we were, and we had heard that uh, there were plans to turn it into a marina with hotels and restaurants and boat oh, slips and all that man. sort of thing. So we uh, formed, there were about six of us uh, together, and we formed uh, an organization known as Amigos of Bolsa Chica. And mainly what we were doing, we actually we had two two plans. One was to... to um, uh, lobby every organization that we could think of that had anything to do with the Bolsa Chica, uh, politicians, governmental organizations. And the other one was education, to try and educate the people around the area that the that was the value of, of wetlands. Of the wetlands, mm -hmm. yes. I, I bet that was an uphill battle because in 1976, not many people were concerned with the environment the way that they are exactly now. Exactly right. But I can't imagine the struggles <laughs> The six of you, my goodness, what a small number um, we're up against. Right. Tell me about that. Well, first of all, you know, if you remember back in the 60s, the thing to do with wetlands was to turn them into marinas. Uh -huh. so Marina del Rey is a good example. Uh, once a wetland. Uh, San Pedro, Wilmington was once a wetland. Alamitas Bay was once a wetland. Huntington Harbor was once a wetland. All of those are pretty much gone now. So, so we could see the, the wetlands disappearing right down the coast. Is Bolsa Chica um, really kind of the last wetland in our general vicinity? Pretty much so. It certainly is one of the largest. Okay. We're, it's about uh, uh, 1,300 acres of wetland, lowlands, and about 200 acres of upland. Okay. So it's a pretty good-sized piece of property. Now, now some people might be saying, you know, what's so special about a wetland? Why do we need to preserve it and take care of it? Well, wetlands uh, offer a number of benefits. First of all, they're open space. Right. And people need open space, particularly in an urban area such as Orange County, L.A. County. They sure do. I'm, I'm really tired mm -hmm. of all the, the buildings everywhere and the congestion on the freeway. It's nice to get away to a place exactly like Exactly right. You feel Chico. good when you're out in, mm -hmm. in the open. The second uh, possibility or second advantage of wetlands is that they provide 
feeding habitat for environmental for uh, and, uh, migratory birds. Oh, okay. So what kind of birds um, call Bolsa Chica home then? Well, it's quite a variety. Uh, actually, year-round, if you were there every, every day of the year, you could count up to 200 species of birds in the oh, Bolsa Chica. Oh, wow. Uh, mostly uh, ducks and water birds, uh, uh, birds that uh, enjoy saltwater atmospheres. Now, back in the early 80s, I helped out um, my ornithology professor uh, with a lease turn project. And least terns are birds that were very much threatened at that time. Mm -hmm. And Bolsa Chica was definitely an important place for them. Um, can you tell me how, how has Bolsa Chica helped the, le the least terns, and, and have we seen some improvement in their numbers? Well, Bolsa Chica is one of the few places where least terns can nest. Because least terns are kind of funny. They don't nest like we normally think of birds nesting in trees or, or even on the ground. They like just plain sand to Okay. Nest. And so there aren't very many places around except beaches, because beaches are always populated by people. Sure, sure. And so they consequently, their habitat has essentially been wiped out. So, so without a place like Bolsa Chica, the least terns would completely disappear. Pretty much so, yeah. You probably remember recently where there was a barge in San Pedro Harbor that was that had least tern nests on them. Oh, wow. Because out of desperation, they looked for something flat, and they Aww. found this barge and, and nested on them. So Bolsa Chica now has uh, over 20 acres, 20 to 25 acres set aside with the perfect habitat just for nesting, not only least terns but other terns as well, as long as, along with black skimmers and, and um, a variety of, of birds that prefer that kind of a nesting habitat. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, a lot of people don't necessarily know the difference between a seagull, <laughs> actually a gull, and uh, a least tern and, and any other water bird that happens to be down there. Is Anybody available to give a guided tour and to show everybody the different types of animals that are living? Yeah, at in fact, we do. We offer free public tours every Saturday, uh, the first Saturday of every month. Oh, wow. What time? At 9 o'clock. Okay. And we meet at the little walk bridge that is immediately across the street from the main entrance of Bolsa Chica State Beach. Okay. There's a signal there, and there's a little parking lot on the land side of PCH. We should probably tell everybody where the Bolsa Chica Preserve is. I know where it is because I live local, but how about for all our uh, non-Orange County residents? Okay, it's uh, on the coast, of course, uh, along Pacific Coast Highway, just south of Warner Avenue, across from Bolsa Chica State Beach. Okay. And uh, Is there uh, ample parking? Uh, it's not that great. It's there's a small parking lot there. The problem is it's completely surrounded by wetlands, so it's impossible to expand the the uh, the parking lot. So I imagine there's a couple of dozen spots there. Okay. Generally, though, that's that's enough for the people who come by oh, yeah, to, sure. to take a yeah. tour. Yeah. Do you have to make a reservation? No. no. Okay. Now we also f we also offer uh, private tours as well during the week to oh, organizations, okay. scout troops, and things of that nature. Oh, how would somebody go about um, organizing something like that? Well, we have a website, which is simply www.amigosdebolsachica, all one word, dot org. Okay. And you can c contact us through there. Or we have phone number 714-840-1575. Now, I understand that there's still the possibility that um, we might lose some of the space to development. Um, are you guys still fighting the good fight to try and keep it preserved as much as possible? Well, the wetlands are pretty well secured, but the uplands, uh, there's uh, development going on right now, and that's pretty much a done deal. Okay. But the lower mesa, the, the upper land, upland part of Bolsa Chica consists of two shelves or two mesas. They're upper and lower. The lower mesa has been set aside as an open space. Okay. Thanks to the Coastal Commission. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, but, now, very recently, you guys had 
an amazing special event um, where for the first time in about 100 years, uh, seawater actually started flowing into the area again. Yeah, let me me back up a little bit. Uh, A uh, 600-acre restoration started in 2004. Okay. That was funded by the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. And uh, the completion of it it was celebrated on August 24th of 2006 when they finally opened up the National Inlet to allow settled water to go into the the, the restored area. And that was the first time in 107 years. Now, how did that get closed up to begin with? Well, it wasn't at the natural uh, spot. The natural spot was further up the coast there near Warner Avenue. What happened there is that uh, the Gun Club, which had purchased the property back in 1899, uh, had uh, built a dam across the opening, and that caused the natural opening to silt up. Oh, wow. So there was no tidal action in there since 1899. Now, how did that affect um, the wetland area? Well, it completely changed the nature of the wetland because at that time it was an estuary, which means there was salt water coming in and fresh water coming down from the, okay. from the farms around there. By closing that off, it became simply a, a freshwater marsh. Okay, well, did that affect the wildlife then um, over the years? It pretty much did. It it shifted the bird life from saltwater birds to freshwater birds, which, of course, is what the duck hunters wanted. Okay. And so, consequently, you start seeing more birds that you would associate with freshwater, like mallards and things. And we don't really see duck hunting going on over there anymore, do we? Fortunately, no. (laughs) Yeah, fortunately, no. That's a good thing. All right. Well, if somebody wanted to get involved with the Amigos de Dulce Chica, um, where should they who should they contact? Where can they go online? Um, just all your, your wonderful contact information. Mm-hmm. Well, we can again, you can call us or you can get onto our website. We have a, a, a team of docents that lead the tours on the wetland. And we have a docent training class that's scheduled now for January. I don't know the exact dates yet. So you don't wanna... necessarily need to be a bird expert to begin with. You'll oh, get no, some training. No, we get training. We, we have a five-week training session oh, for our wow. docents. And uh, we meet uh, once a week for several hours. And we go over plant life and bird life and history and, and politics and every aspect of the of the wetland. That sounds like lots of fun. <laughs> I wish I had time to do that. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I wish you could. So tell us again your contact information in case somebody was interested in volunteering. Okay. Well, the website is www.amigosdebolsachica, all one word, dot org. And our um, email address is simply info, I-N-F-O, dot amigos de Bolsa Chica, dot org, or at, I should say, info at amigos de Bolsa Chica, dot org. Well, David, thank you so much for coming down and uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to um, sit and talk with us about your wonderful organization. And um, we are going to be coming back in just a moment here on AM 540 and 1260, so please stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Pet Place Radio Show on AM 540 and 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and with me right now is Brian Ionessa from Veterinary Pet Insurance. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good. Thank you. Good. I'm so glad you came down to talk with us today. I am, too. (laughs) Can you tell me a little bit about what Veterinary Pet Insurance is and what they do? Sure. Uh, Veterinary Pet Insurance, or we like to call it VPI, we are the nation's oldest and largest pet insurer in the United States. We've been around since uh, 1980. We were founded in 1980 and issued our first policy in 1982. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, is that animal still alive? <laughs> I, 
I probably not. Okay. <laughs> the, well, the memory you're is. You're supposed to say, yes, he is, and that's because he has veterinary pet insurance. Right, right. <laughs> now, now, pet insurance really is for covering veterinary costs in case um, something happens, but does it also cover routine vet checks? Yes, we have basically our, our products are medical plans. Okay. And we also have, and those covered for the, uh, they reimburse for the testing and treatment related to conditions from accidents and illnesses, so anything from a leg fracture to a ear infection to more serious things like cancer and diabetes. Okay. And in addition to our medical plans, we have what's called our uh, pet welfare protection coverage. Oh, excellent. And those are, there's a couple plans uh, pet owners can choose from that will enable them to get reimbursements back on routine procedures such as vaccinations, mm-hmm. annual exams. Being neuter, teeth cleaning, those types of oh, things. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Now, um, is there a huge monthly premium that pet owners have to pay for this, or is it affordable? It's it's very affordable. Okay. You're looking at to insure a dog for a medical plan about twenty five to thirty a month. If you add on the pet welfare protection, you could be depending on which one you choose, you could be paying anywhere from from an additional 12 to let's say $22 if you add on the well care coverage. You know that is so reasonable because one emergency trip to the veterinarian and then you're looking at thousands of dollars. It could set you back considerably. It sure can and and I know a lot of people base their decisions to have veterinary care done on the affordability of it and I know um, having been an animal health technician myself Occasionally, people would come in, and when the the cost for treating their pet was too high, they would opt to have their pet euthanized, which is very sad. Um, So tell me, from your perspective, why is it important for pet owners to have pet insurance? I think you hit the nail on the head when you said there there are times when people feel restricted on how much or what type of care they can provide their, their pet. I know our company was founded by a veterinarian and funded by veterinarians who were very disheartened by what they call economic euthanasia, where Mm -hmm. pet owners were choosing to put their pet to sleep when there was an alternative available, but it was, they couldn't afford the option of whatever medical treatment would have saved that pet's life. Right. So uh, what pet insurance does, it takes that affordability, it, it, it lessens the financial burden for the pet owner and lets them have peace of mind knowing that if something were to happen to their pet, an accident, an illness, something unforeseen that costs a lot of money to to fix Mm -hmm. that they don't have to worry about costs getting in the way of them pursuing that optimal treatment. And you got to figure as a pet owner, um, in every pet's life, there's going to be at least one expensive trip to the vet. Absolutely. And so it definitely makes it worthwhile to have uh, pet insurance. Um, Did it take a while for pet insurance to catch on, not only with the general pet owning public, but also with veterinarians? I believe so. We've been around since 1980, like I said, but in that time, it took many years to cultivate relationships with the veterinarians and educate them on the concept of pet health insurance. To this day, we have field representatives, we call them, that are veterinary technicians, and some of them are DVMs, are veterinarians as well. I see. And they go out to clinics across the nation and educate uh, veterinarians on pet insurance explain to them how it works, how it can benefit their, their practice, how it can benefit their clients. And uh, so in that sense, it's, it's still, there's still some education that needs to be done in terms of the veterinary community, not so much to let them know that it's there, but to right. let them know how it works and to okay. emphasize that it's not managed care. 
and that it works different in, in several ways than, than human health insurance. And Is there yeah. some uh, negative um, sentiments on the part of veterinarians with regards to pet insurance, or do you feel most of them are pretty open and excited about we it? We feel the most of the veterinarians we have relationships with or that we, we meet at trade you know, conferences and whatnot are open to the idea. Okay. Especially when they realize that it's very little work for them mm -hmm. in terms of it, the relationship is primarily with the insurance company, the API, okay. and the policyholder, and the veterinarian doesn't have to do a whole lot unless the uh, the policyholder brings them into the equation by defining a diagnosis or perhaps helping them look at the benefit schedule to see what conditions are covered and okay. what might not be, that type of thing. Okay. If a veterinarian um, isn't sure about what's covered and what's not, um, is there a number that they could call to get assistance? Yes, there is. Uh, okay. They can call 1-800-USA-PETS and they can get connected with our veterinary services department is, is the uh, actual area they want to connect okay. with. And we have technicians on staff that uh, can answer questions on oh, anything from general questions on mm -hmm. the health plan to specific questions based on somebody's specific claim. So this yeah. phone number wouldn't just be for veterinarians. It would be for um, some of your insured families, too, who are right. wanting to know what's covered and exactly. what's not covered. 1-800-USA-PETS, uh, people can call in and get a quote. They can ask questions relevant to their policy if they're already policyholders. And like I said, veterinary professionals can call in as well and, and get connected to our, our vet professionals. Now, your insurance um, applications are also uh, on-site at a lot of veterinary hospitals, aren't they? Yes, they are. So yes. if somebody came into their veterinarian, most likely they'd be able to find um, an application for pet insurance at the front desk? It, it, they, it would be in the form of a brochure okay. that has information like product highlights, and then it will give them the number to call okay. at the, uh, the, the very end of the application. It also lists our petinsurance.com. Uh, website, okay. which people can also go on and get quotes online. Mm -hmm. They can even enroll online if they choose to. Oh, that's great. Right. Now, do they have to show that their pet is in good health to get started, or are there any there's, strings attached or anything like that that we might need to know about? Basically, m some medical questions, general medical questions, mm -hmm. are asked at the application process, and depending on the answer to those questions, whether or not the pet's been in to see the veterinarian in recent months or recent okay. years and what those conditions are may prompt them to ask for medical records. Mm -hmm. And that's typically only not to adjust premium figures or anything, but typically just to ascertain whether or not anything exists in that pet okay. that might be considered pre-existing because just like in human health insurance, pre-existing conditions will not be covered okay. uh, by the medical plan. So if I find out that my pet is going to need a lot of vet or a lot of veterinary care and then I apply for vet insurance, um, that's no good. The the best time to do it is before anything develops. While your pet is while healthy. While your pet is healthy, that's while your right. pet is young. I, for example, my wife and I have a miniature pincher, and as, as soon as we, I think we got her when she was about seven months old, mm -hmm. we insured her right away. I was afraid of her getting into mischief, oh, sure. more of the catastrophic type do. of accident. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was, I was I worried imagine. about that, uh -huh. and I was also concerned about uh, the vaccines sure. and, um, you know, everything that comes with the preventive care, so we got the the wall care as well. Now, I know a lot of animal shelters will even put um, your brochure in their uh, welcome home package that they give to adopters. I know when I adopted a kitty from the Irvine Animal Shelter recently, I had a really good brochure from Veterinary Pet Insurance. Right. We we are in uh, some shelter adoption kits. 
we're also in the we have a relationship with IMS oh, that okay. have their puppy kitten kits in several of the uh, hospitals out there. Okay. And you'll find information on veterinary pet insurance in there, okay. along with a, a special offer for people that insure their their pets through that program. Brian, um, we're running out of time, but I do want you to tell everybody about your special event coming up in November to educate pet owners on pet oh, cancer. Oh, most certainly. Uh, November is our third Pet Cancer Awareness Month that okay. VPI initiated. We, we took ownership of that month in order to create awareness about the prevalence of pet cancer. It's, uh, it's, it's num- number one killer of pets. And what we're doing is we're selling pet cancer awareness callers on www.petinsurance.com Basically, they're, they're leather ribbons with uh, lavender-type uh, – they're leather collars, rather, with lavender ribbons on them. Oh, and cool. all of the uh, the profits of these sales go to the Animal Cancer Foundation through the month of November. And we if, if we have great success, we might even keep them up on the website through December oh, and make a good holiday wonderful. gift for the, for the dogs. <laughs> Brian, one more time, real quick, your website? Uh, petinsurance.com is the website. Excellent. And the number, which is easy to remember, is 800-USA-PETS. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, and we'll be back in just a moment on AM540 and 1260 here on the Pet Place Radio Show. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I wanted to tell you about a special event coming up November 17th. There's going to be an autumn auction to benefit Boxer Orange County Animal Rescue Incorporated, 5 to 10 p.m. at Murdy Park Hall, which is at 7000 Norma Drive in Huntington Beach. You'll enjoy an Italian dinner, dessert, and drinks and participate in an auction to raise funds to rescue and provide medical care for homeless boxers. A very worthwhile cause. Tickets are $25 before the event, $30 at the door. For more information or to purchase tickets, go to www.boxerroc.com. And there's a lot of great information on that site. Now, I learned a lot from our guests today, and I hope you did too. Pet insurance and wildlife. Wow, there's two subjects you don't normally hear about anywhere else. I wanted to also tell you that Fred continues his very slow process of rehab from his back surgery a few months back, and it is a very difficult struggle. Your emailed messages give him the courage to work hard in therapy and get better so he can come back and be behind the mic. So please send your Get Well Thoughts to tpetplace.com at earthlink.net. He loves and reads every single message that he receives. Now, if you can't get enough of the Pet Place on the radio, we also have a TV program on KDOC. Check your local listings to find us. We're on every Sunday morning at 6.30 a.m. And finally, if there are any subjects or guests that you'd like to hear about on the Pet Place radio show, please write in and tell me. I can be reached by email at jafari at fia.net, that's spelled J-E-F-A-R-I, at F-E-A dot N-E-T. You can also read my pet columns in the Orange County Register at www.ocregister.com. Just zip on over to the Life section and look for the animal files. And that's all for today. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll be back next Saturday on AM 540 and 1260. Have a great weekend.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.